Why go back to earlier editions of Dungeons & Dragons? Is there something different about the products of the 1980s in comparison to the new and shiny products of today? Are there any lessons for the gamer who is seeking a pathway back to the table? Welcome back to Roleplay Rescue. I'm Che Webster, your host. Do you remember in the last episode how I told you my story of discovery with one particular role-playing game? For this episode, I hopped online and reached out to the creator of the five little booklets that I was waxing lyrical about last week. This is my first attempt at an interview, and frankly, it was a pleasant first outing. Gavin Norman is the author of BX Essentials and the creator of the Dolmenwood Fantasy role-playing setting, published under the Necrotic Gnome imprint. He lives in Berlin, where he works as a programmer in between travelling to role-playing shows and conventions. Welcome to the show, and thanks for talking to us. Yeah, hello. Great to be here. It was uh, genuinely nice to have a guest, um, and you'd be our <laughs> first, so that's fantastic. Um, yeah, excellent. Gavin, I, I really wanted to talk to you about BX Essentials because of my own experience with that over the kind of past few months. Um, I actually, though, wanted to start with a few questions that I think are going to become fairly standard on this uh, particular show. Mm-hmm. So if I may, I'll hit you with the first one. Yeah, go for it. So what is it that you enjoy most about role-playing games? Um, for me, I'm perhaps unusual, I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm purely a DM. So, you know, I have, obviously I have played as a player in the past, mm-hmm. but really that's only like one percent of my total time within rpgs has been as a player like currently i'm not playing in any campaigns and haven't for i don't know four or five years probably um so i'm purely a dm basically so i think i think for me the the real the main thing i love about rpgs is that like possibility to create an imaginary world Hmm. um you know, I guess I guess that's just going on in my head all the time, like imagining fantastic situations, creatures, worlds, and through an RPG, that's a chance to kind of take that out of my own imagination and make it a bit more concrete. You know, writing it down, drawing the maps, creating the monsters, whatever, and then throwing players into it, um, who obviously don't know what to expect exactly and just seeing what happens you know um Mm. and that kind of shared creativity that comes up in in the rpg session um yeah obviously as we all know players very often don't do what you're expecting so that kind of spontaneous creativity that comes up so really for you is a a creative endeavor it's um an opportunity to sort of i don't know empty your head yeah yeah exactly yeah so what do you find i mean you're a gm what's the biggest barrier to you getting a game um it's it's varied at different times of my life um i guess when i moved to berlin like nearly 10 years ago now i didn't know anyone obviously when i moved to um so i didn't i didn't have a group i wasn't connected to any kind of scene um 
that was a massive barrier to playing you know like i was then i was doing just a lot of stuff on my own just writing up my materials and being like oh one day i'll have someone to play with (laughs) (laughs) um so gradually with the joys of the internet i found other players in berlin who were willing to put up with my old school nonsense um so that that kind of barrier faded away then actually that i think the next barrier that came along for me was um purely like how fast i was able to write material like i because i always run pure homebrew stuff like i never run pre-written adventures i never use pre-written campaigns or settings um not that i have anything against those things it's you know as i said my main love is in the act of creation so obviously that's what I want to focus on. But yeah, there, there was a time where I just couldn't keep up with the sessions. You know, I'd be running sessions every two or three weeks and just didn't find the time to create enough material in advance of that. Um, mm-hmm. So I think for a while that was a barrier as well. Um, but I, I guess two things have really fixed that. Like now, actually, I'm in a really good situation. I've got a good, solid group large enough that if people are sick or whatever we can still play and i've got enough material because i'm running my campaign setting dolmenwood which Mm. i've just by publishing the setting there's a huge amount of material that i've written both published and unpublished so now it's rarely the case that i'm like you know sort of scrabbling to come up with ideas for the next adventure Another big thing as well is like I've really focused the last year or so on like running running material that isn't like properly finalized, written up, you know, just like mm-hmm. writing rough notes on paper, sketching maps, like just really trying to keep it, um, keep the initial material very rough and minimal. And then if it, if it goes well when I play it, then later I can write it up in a sort of proper form for inclusion in future publications or whatever. So. Okay, so really for you, um, yeah, get the group and then balancing that with getting material. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think for for a DM who's using um, like pre-bought adventures and campaigns, probably the second part isn't so much of an issue, right? Because you know, I mean, hmm. it takes some time to read through an adventure enough to run it, but I guess for a lot of people, that's quicker than writing your own material. So. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, me too. Actually, yeah, it's. I think it really depends on the material, doesn't it? Like some stuff is yeah. written, so it's quite easy to play. Like I was running, actually, I was running Barrow Maze for a while, um, and that was virtually zero prep. Like I, I, I plonked Barrow Maze down in the middle of Dolmenwood, so I had Dolmenwood <laughs> as the kind of outer world, and Barrow Maze as the sort right. of tentpole dungeon, um, and that, like you know. Once in a while, if I had some time, I'd read ahead a bit in the room descriptions of where I thought the players would go next. But I could, it's written in a sort of terse enough way that I could run it without any prep, really. So that was really nice. Yeah, I've had a go with that one as well. It's quite user friendly, I think, on the spot, isn't it? Thinking about um, probably a very long career in gaming, um, worst moment in your role playing hobby? Actually, took took me a while to think of something. Um, you know, like obviously, you know, having played with I don't know how many dozens, whatever hundreds, I'm not sure of people over the decades. <laughs> um, 
initially I was sort of thinking back to specific individuals who, you know, whom I didn't get on with for whatever reason in a group. Um, but that uh, that didn't feel like a really fair answer to me in a way. Like, you know, that's, that's just a, a sort of, <laughs> that's the kind of personality clash, which, is, you know, that's fair enough. Um, I never got anything like really awful in, in that kind of aspect. Um, but then thinking about it more, I, I remember an incident which like, I don't know, it was, it was kind of a campaign killer, basically. Um, like I was running this uh, Dreamlands campaign. So kind of, I think I'd been reading right. Lovecraft and like had read the um, Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath um, and just generally getting really into this idea of like, you know, we, we as humans in the so-called real world, um, we, we as RPGers are then imagining these other worlds and like what if this what if the same is happening to characters in an imaginary world right so they they are you know they're living in their fantasy city and at night in their dreams they go into this other world so i, I had this campaign that was uh set up around that concept so there was a, a city i can't remember the name of it. it it was like not very important really the kind of fantasy real world mm. um but then they could I think there was some kind of drug they could get access to. And when you take this drug, you'd go into this kind right. of trance state and then you'd go into this world called the Dreamlands. Um, so the idea was that it was a very like surrealistic, kind of whimsical kind of campaign. Um, like more about kind of exploring kind of fantastic realms and like just to kind of wonder, you know, not not so much about killing and getting treasure, mm. this kind of thing. Yeah, so r- running this campaign, we had like, I don't know, maybe eight, nine sessions, really good group, like all the characters mm. were perfect for the setting, all the players were super into this like whimsical, surreal kind of vibe. Um, I remember one of the characters, for example, was playing like a uh, clockwork monkey, like I'd made up some kind of, uh, you know, some custom <laughs> classes for it. And that was super cool. Just a really, really fun kind of character, you know, crap in combat, no, no real special yeah. abilities, but just a really fun character for the setting. <laughs> um, and so I, I started expanding the group. So inviting different friends to join us. Um, and here's, here's where it gets bad. Like so far it all sounds cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, it does. It sounds really cool. In fact, I kind of wonder if there are echoes of Dolmenwood in there somewhere. Uh, actually there are. It, it was a kind of dreamy forest mm. was the first point in the dreamlands. I, I believe even some of the hex descriptions in Dolmenwood, as far as I remember, were derived from this dreamlands campaign. Mm. I sort of snuck them over into Dolmenwood. As a good um, GM would. <laughs> yeah exactly recycle yeah <laughs> um yeah so as, as i introduce new players somehow somewhere along the way the kind of uh, the sort of expected vibe of the campaign got lost right. like apparently I, ha- I hadn't kind of explained it to people in advance that this isn't your standard D. this is like you know it's supposed to be more whimsical magical yeah. um and there was, there was a couple of sessions where these players joined who were like hardcore tactical D&D players. Um, 
So they were all about like, you know, maximizing their equipment and like, oh, can I have spikes added to my shield? And then I'll use it to do this in combat. And like, you know, these kind of players like maximizing the, you know, if I hide behind this tree, can I get this bonus? Like, um, bit sort of min-maxi kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, very like militaristic play style. And it just completely went like at odds with everything else in the campaign. Um, so we had, we had a couple of sessions like that with these players. Um, and I don't know. In retrospect, I probably should I probably should have done the mature thing and just kind of like said to them, you know, look, this isn't really like what I have in mind and, mm. you know, let's talk about it. But <laughs> I ended up just, they were in some kind of stupid combat situation and I ended up just kind of uh, just using uh the power of the dm to kind of kill the group <laughs> um yeah oh, there aren't many gms that would admit to that <laughs> yeah yeah so it was it was almost literally the kind of rocks fall everybody dies situation um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not proud to say that but yeah in thinking about worst moments that's definitely something that came to so mind. these days i mean how do you keep yourself motivated um as a gm um i th- I think just by continually creating new stuff, like mm. I'm in the habit that now that I am continually creating new stuff, especially for Dolman would say, um, mm. and that, that, that just keeps inspiring me to like, Oh yeah. Won't it be cool when the players encounter this thing that I've created? Like, um, <laughs> that'd be really interesting to see what happens. Um, so for me, that, that is the kind of root of like continual play this like continual imagination mm. creating material um, i mean what do you do do you sort of make sure you pick out the very best things that come to mind um or is your table full of maybe some humdrum stuff and then occasionally a bit of inspiration um well of course i mean i i produce nothing but the absolute finest material so <laughs> <laughs> um no i mean yeah gen- generally i'm pretty happy with the stuff i create spontaneously yeah of course sometimes stuff comes up that afterwards i'm like "Ah, actually that's a bit boring um i mean another aspect of the uh motivation to play is that obviously i'm publishing stuff so there's a kind of you know the continuous creativity Mm. and needing to play test stuff as well um so Mm. it's it's kind of it has those two aspects in that sense that like you know create new classes Mm. and then i'll be like okay well better see if anyone in my campaign wants to try one of these you know so what i guess i was wondering is i was wondering whether you sit there and sort of brainstorm out ideas and then weed out the rubbish and kind of decide what you're you're going to put in next or whether it is just more kind of stream of consciousness um I think for me, how I work is um, once I've once I'm at the point of writing something down, generally it's already passed a kind of mental filter that this is like quality enough uh-huh. that it's worth writing. Um, like I'm, I, I mean, I think every DM and writer works in different ways. I presume, um, but sure. f- for me, yeah, I guess I have a kind of a lot of thoughts going on, a lot of imagination. And then out of that, kind of certain ideas will coalesce as, okay, yeah, those are cool. And then I'll go to the stage of actually writing stuff. And once it's written, most of the stuff that I actually 
get to that stage of writing it down most of that is good stuff and kind of sticks and you know maybe after play testing i'll tweak it a bit or like you know during editing i'll change the wording around a bit but generally once i've got to the stage Mm. of writing something it's like already like decent quality Mm. so it's all percolating through your mind and then you yeah um, exactly yeah Yeah. what filtered through kind of goes to the page Mm. yeah interesting process my you know this this show is really about kind of inviting people back to the hobby have you got any tips Mm. for you know a person who's coming back to the role-playing hobby so like someone who used to play Mm. some years ago and kind of getting back into it um i think one one really important thing that makes it easier to get back into it is choose a rule set that you're familiar Mm -hmm. with so like you know for myself i had like i don't know maybe a decade away from gaming and when i when i got back into it the first thing i played was ad&d second edition Mm. which is what i played as a teenager um super easy to get back into it because from years of playing it as a kid i had this kind of latent memory of everything Then after a while, I moved on to different rules systems. Like I tried Pathfinder briefly and um, things like True 20, Savage Worlds. Mm. Um, Eventually, I realized that I was kind of a bit against the grain of my sort of mental muscle memory that um, if such a thing exists, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That, you know, and then I gravitated back to BX because it just has this familiarity that for me is just makes it super easy to play mm. um so i think that, i think that's one important thing just dive back into what you remember liking from when you used to play as a kid or whatever um i think another thing is just start simple like there's there's a bit of an instinct to like especially for dm type people like you know loads of house rules loads of custom classes <laughs> Um, <laughs> you know, or or on the other side, like you know, creating some enormous campaign world, vast histories going back millennia. Mm. Um, you know, just to run a game, you don't need all that. Like, it's really fun to do all that stuff, but to just to get going, like, you don't need that. So, mm. just to start simple, I think, is important. Short dungeon. Yeah, exactly. Just a classic, like. You know, a small village in the borderlands <laughs> on the edge of the wilderness, small dungeon nearby, and a few, you know, a small hex map around with a few interesting features. Like, that's super fun to invent as a DM and, you know, really, really gets you going for quite a while, I think. Yeah. And then you can just gradually elaborate bits and pieces through play as you go along. It's great advice. Thank you. So you mentioned BX, um, and obviously you've gone on to author BX Essentials, um, putting all of the basic and expert stuff from 1981 into a very, very good package, I have to say, what I've been using myself. Um, so yeah. why on earth did you go there? Why BX? Um, yeah, I mean, as, as I said, that it's, I think that the main, the main thing that brought me back there uh, was that this is what I played as a kid. Mm. I, mean, I mean, I actually played Beck Me, like the Mensa, yeah. uh, red, blue, etc. boxes I had as a kid. Yeah. That was the first edition of D&D I played. Yeah, I kind um, of ended up with, I started with that 83 red box. And mm. um, I'll be honest with you, I'd, until very recently, I'd never played BX. Right. Um, oddly, actually, this is not entirely true. I had the basic red box, you know, 1983, um, 
you know, basic set. And then the expert set I bought was actually the 81 one, you know, <laughs> which just goes to show back in the day how hobby shops were and how you could, yeah. you know. You hear so many people talking about that, right? Like, oh, yeah, we just bought the ATP books <laughs> and used them with the BX and, like, yeah, it was all the same. Like, <laughs> but, but like you, you know, started with BE semi and I, um, I guess until recently, never really sort of figured there was a difference. Mm. Um, obviously, you get online, you start, you soon find out there is. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so for me, you know, recently coming back to um, this particular game and then discovering BX Essentials, um, you know, that was a revelation. What I want to know is, what's your idea behind it? Why did you do it? I mean, surely the books, I mean, the books are available as a PDF yeah. from Wizards. Yeah. So why reorganize them? Um. I guess this started because I was playing Labyrinthord, actually, which is another BX mm. clone, of course. Um, and I was, you know, I had this big, like, full hardcover book of the Labyrinthord rules, <laughs> the basic and expert rules combined. Um, and I kind of realized, like, well, two things. Like, one, I'm never referring to this book during play. Why is that? And two, um, I... Even even when I'm kind of preparing material for games or whatever, I'm only ever referring to this really slim section of the book. Like, why yeah. why am I bringing this big hardcover to my games? And of course, Labyrinth Lord isn't is by no means big on the scale of all RPG books, but you know what I mean. Oh, um, so, like, I, I realized that the one the one aspect was that it's not written as a rules reference exactly. You know, it's, an, it's yeah. not written to be, you know, specifically to be very easily referenceable during play. Mm. Um, and the other thing I realized was that it's, uh, I want something modular. So w the slim section of the book that I was referring to was just the core rules, you know, the adventuring rules, the combat rules, mm. um, you know, then separately the player who is a magic user, they will want to refer to another slim section of the book, the spells list. And yeah. then... You know, I realized that in most of my campaigns, I was using a lot of custom classes. So I was never referring mm -hmm. to the basic like elves and clerics and stuff like that. <laughs> so why have I got this book with that stuff in it? Um, so those those things combined made me want to produce this uh, like digest size. So it's a lot smaller form factor, uh, modular, um, and very very much more kind of clearly written for quick reference version of the game. Hmm. So origi originally I just created it to, or, you know, started the project to create what I wanted to use in my own games. Isn't that so often the case? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hope so. Yeah, yeah. I think plenty of yeah. creators out there who do it because it suits them. Mm. So, yeah. been well received? What do you think? Yeah, ge generally really great. Yeah, I've I've been really really happy and like i mean i don't know if i would say surprised because i you know i'm mm. proud of what i've done and i i'm like glad that people enjoy it um but yeah delighted at the reception of it generally yeah um there's like there's a small aspect of people who are maybe judging it without having looked at it i mm -hmm. get the feeling you know of course there's a like i'm searching very often for like forum discussions blah blah about 
the things I've mm. created, like just just to see what people are saying about it. Um, I feel like generally people who have actually looked at it properly really like it. Um, there's a, there's a small element of knee jerk, like oh why why do you want another clone? <laughs> like isn't Labyrinth Lord good enough? Isn't BX good enough? Blah, blah, blah. Um, I get the feeling most of them haven't actually really looked at BX Essentials, so yeah. There's a small resistance. There. Okay. Yeah, I found it, you know, it's one of those books. Uh, well, the first core rule book is the one that's usually open most at my table, along with the um, characters and classes when one of the kids' kid characters dies and they have to run off and roll up a new one. Um, <laughs> and, and that's the thing I like about it myself. I like the fact that I've got the core rules and I'm gaming, I'm running something. And one of those students can mm. run off, you know, roll up a character with a completely separate book. Um, yeah, maybe yeah. Grab the spells. yeah, exactly, and they're not taking Yeah, and, yeah. and the whole thing is quick and slick. Um, I think, you know, the only problem I ever have with it is I, I'm so used to not taking a game book to the table that I <laughs> right. don't tend to look stuff up, so I make huge mistakes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, th- things like the spell descriptions and monster descriptions are really carefully, specifically designed so you can mm. quickly look them up. So, yeah, I think I think that maybe... Yeah, as you say, we're not necessarily used to looking things up because in a, the way a lot of rule books are written, it's not that easy and you end up sitting there for 10 minutes like puzzling over where was this rule exactly defined in which paragraph of this big <laughs> wall of text, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've tended to feel that a lot of rule, rule books are written for, um, I don't know, a mixed audience. Like, the, Is it for the GM? Mm. Is it for the player? Uh, my experience right. is that the GM is the one probably owns the book and has read it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there are bits of it that players need to reference, and and you're right yeah. when you say like, you know, if you look at something like Labyrinth Lord, there's only a small bit that as a player you'd need to look at. Yeah. So I think Essentials is, you know, from where I'm sitting, uh, doing that job of helping me point players at the right bits. Mm. Right. Cool. Uh, that's <laughs> that's the intention. So it's good to hear you confirm that that's that. It kind of works in practice. Yeah. So, is there anything in the pipeline that would um, further help to tempt us back to BX? Um, yeah, so uh, I've generally got about a zillion different projects going on. Um, <laughs> not <laughs> so, some of which are related to BX and the current question. Um, so, immediately, um, we're planning a Kickstarter next year for a kind of deluxe editions of BX Essentials. Um, so hopefully spring next year, 2019. Mm. Um, so we're, we're going to produce two things. One is an all-in-one book. So, you know, as, as we've discussed, I really love the kind of modular thing of BX Essentials. It's split into several smaller booklets. But a lot of people just have said they just want a single book that they can carry <laughs> with everything in it. So fair enough. Um, so we're going to do that as a kind of high, high uh, production quality uh, hardback. So that would be a traditional yeah. print run as opposed to print on demand. Um, and a boxed set for the maximum nostalgia mm. factor <laughs> for the people who <laughs> like the modular stuff. So, yeah, that would be a, you know, a nice box with the booklets inside. Maybe extra stuff, dice, character sheets to to be determined, but like, yeah, a kind of yeah. deluxe boxed version of the yeah, One of the things that um, I – sorry, while I was thinking about like mm. – um, a set of them because I, you know, I've have all five books mm. that are currently out there. Um, I also have three copies of the player, the player reference bits. You know, the class equipment book and and the spell book. Um, 
was that also something that you'd intended or you know that people would maybe at the table have multiple copies yeah. of one or two of them yeah definitely i mean in my own games i guess i usually have like you know behind the screen i've got the treasures mm-hmm. book and the monsters book and mm-hmm. then just laying on the table for players to grab i'll have like you know core rules um Mm. classes and the spells a couple of the spells books whatever it depends how many spellcasters you have you know but i think that's what mm. i like about it that you can really mix and match like if you have no spellcasters in your campaign you don't need the spells book at all so yeah that's usually what i say to people oh. though that like if you've got at least one set of everything you can just have them on the table and people just grab the bits that they need them that works really well you got a kickstarter a box set a hardback Maybe, or at least one tome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so other other things that are in the pipeline. Um, for BX Essentials, um, as it's modular, we've got a lot of uh, alternative modules planned. So first one or two is um, a book of advanced character classes. So these are inspired by AD&D. Um, so you've got the mm-hmm. Druid, Illusionist, Ranger, Paladin, Assassin, things like this. Um, but it's all mm. it's all adapted very carefully to a BX level of power and complexity. Um, so there's also new races, so the the Drow, the Duogar, these kind of subterranean races. But they're mm. done as race classes to fit in with the BX rules, um, rather than as like separate race and class. Um, so to go along right. with that, there's of course the um, Druid and Illusionist spells book. So that would be a, another module that people can use so, so is that about taking like what people used to do back in the day you know grab ad and and try and match the two it's, it's a little bit different um yeah as i say the i've done a lot of adaptation of the classes so if you if you look at the bx classes and then you go ahead and read especially something like unearthed arcana say the difference mm. is shocking like you know both both in terms of the power of the characters and in terms mm-hmm. of the rules complexity, like, you know, you look at the Barbarian class, say, in Unearthed Arcana, just so many abilities. Like, it's crazy. It takes, like, I can't remember I've had at least three or four pages of, like, and, you know, this is full hardback size pages. It's not, like, digest size. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've heavily adapted them to fit in with BX. So it's it's a bit different to the kind of, yeah, what you say that people used to just grab all the different books and mix them together um bit bit of a different approach much more bespoke yeah yeah exactly yeah um so uh, the third kind of big thing that's happening is the uh, campaign book for dolmenwood setting um so that should be later 2019 maybe sort of late spring early summer um so that'll be a full setting book for bx so it's a it's a campaign setting for the bx rules Mm. um again it includes loads of like custom classes custom monsters custom magic items etc so that that should be a really nice kind of flavorful um alternative to your more standard DD settings Mm. like it's very heavily kind of based on british folklore um, as opposed to the more 20th century like sword and sorcery kind of material that D is generally more kind of founded yeah. on sounds great <laughs> yeah, so those those are the kind of biggest things that are coming up in the bx realm from necrotic gnome 
Yeah. You got players who want to start with um, BX Essentials. Yeah. Where do you suggest that they would start their actual play? I guess it. I guess it depends on the dungeon master. I mean, as as we were sort of saying earlier, like um, I, I really like the kind of classic setup of a, a small village, borderlands, dungeon nearby. Mm. Um, I mean, the the cool thing about BX um, is that there are really nice, simple set of guidelines for creating dungeons and wilderness in the books. Um, so that's it for BX Essentials. That's in the Adventures and Treasures book. Um, so there's a like a one like two page spread for creating dungeons, just guides you through the process. Two page mm. spread for creating a wilderness, and a two page spread for creating a base town. So that that to me would be an amazing place to start for someone. When I when I started playing like fifth edition Dungeons Dragons, for example, it felt daunting, you know, to create. Um, and yeah, looking at the adventures and treasures, you know, you you sort of. Yeah, it's there. It's on the page, isn't it? Here's some steps. Follow these. And uh, like you said, that's kind of a... I think something maybe the hobby has forgotten about. Yeah, how simple it can be. Yeah. I mean, I obviously I'm run kind of long ongoing campaigns, but, you know, just talking about this now, it makes me just want to get out some graph paper and a pencil and follow those steps <laughs> and, like, just create something in a couple of hours. I, You know, I think that's all it takes. And then you've got the beginnings of a campaign yeah it, it reminds me of um justin alexander's kind of comments about um revisiting OD&D and realizing that the dungeon you know as a as a approach to gaming and like the hex crawl um those are things that perhaps we've lost contact with in the last sort of 20 30 years um, and I felt like reading that again in, in Essentials was, you know, it reawoke those memories. It's refreshing, isn't it? I think, like, I mean, I think mm. a lot of people in the OSL scene are doing this, you know, and that's probably what, mm. what drives a lot of us, you know, just going back to these simpler kind of, yeah, refreshing and almost, almost like naive kind of approach to gaming before this history of like, it becoming more commercial and more complex. Mm. That brings me on to a thought that has been mulling around my head, which is I often talk about the spirit of a particular sort of game or piece, you know, and to me, there's something very different about the feel and spirit of BX as opposed to, say, mm. Pathfinder or 4th edition D&D yeah. or 5th edition D&D. Do you share that perception? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Very much so. Um yeah, what exactly that spirit is, it's mm. hmm, I think it's more open, isn't it? It's yeah, it's simpler and more open. Um I think naivety as well is an aspect like you know, D&D now, like 5th edition say, it's got this whole kind of weighty history behind it. Um not only of the, you know, of the previous editions of the game and that that kind of meta aspect of like you know oh there's a new edition let's see how fireball works stuff <laughs> like that um also you know all the D media the campaign settings all the novels that have been published over the mm. years and just the general kind of cultural consciousness of what D is you know mm. which in the in the 70s and 80s that didn't really exist so I think that's very refreshing. Yeah, I find it interesting as well, though, because I, as I told you, I, I, I set up a club in a school and I've got 11 to 
14, 15 year olds coming to play. When I talk about Dungeons and Dragons, um, they don't have the preconceptions of, you know, fifth edition. And they come to the table and it is fresh and it is easy and it is raw and dangerous. And for some reason, they seem to love it. And I don't know, I just feel that maybe there is something qualitatively different about Mm. that particular era, which I'd love to put my finger on. Yeah, yeah, it's a really interesting topic. I, I know, I know exactly what you mean, but I can't really describe it. It's it's difficult, isn't it? Yeah, that's interesting though that they don't necessarily have the preconceptions of fifth edition. No, no, and I think there's something that's kind of just very curious. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously, some people are gamers and they have a, some awareness, but mm. most of the people that are coming to play in a in a mm. school club for me. They are raw newbies, you know. Um, so whatever I put in front of them is new, um, and they roll with all sorts of different systems. But in the right. end, you know, recently with BX, it's just been a delight to play mm. so quick. Awesome. That's really cool to hear. <laughs> Thanks, Gavin. It's been awesome to have you on. Yeah, it's been really fun. Thanks for having me. No problems at all. Just nice to chew the fat sometimes, isn't it? Look, wish you all the best with the uh, with the BX Essentials line and with Dolmenwood going forward, and we look forward to the Kickstarter in 2019. Yeah, thanks a lot. I'll keep you posted. Thank you. Cheers. If you're curious to learn more, please remember to favourite or otherwise bookmark this podcast in whatever podcast app you are using. This series is all about finding a route back to the table, and I've got some interesting suggestions to share with you about your options. Of course, your story is unique and your journey will be filled with challenges. Perhaps together as a community, we can learn to find an acceptance of our hobby. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Roleplay Rescue. If you ever want to get in touch, ask questions or share your point of view, you can leave me a voice message just download the Anchor mobile app, search for Roleplay Rescue, and tap on the Messages button to leave yours. I'm Che Webster. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with another episode. Game on.